Hey guys, we're getting to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast here on YouTube or anywhere else you can get your podcast. We're just so thankful that you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. All right, y'all. I am I'm so excited about this one. There are so many golden nuggets of what we're going to talk about today. I'm getting too excited, but before we get there, before we get there, Make sure you guys continue to watch the YouTube channel and check out the shorts, check out the little short movies, uh, the Bible readings that we have on there. So just trying to build some more content. So we really want you guys to enjoy that and hopefully that can um, encourage you. So again, just go to the YouTube page and those things will be there for you. Okay, so let's start our podcast off like this today. A friend of mine um, years ago, years ago, he said something when it comes to like ministry and service and helping, he said something that I haven't forgotten. And he said, it's always going to get worse before it gets better. It's always going to get worse before it gets better. Now, I think that's a concept that you and I probably understand, right? I'm not saying that that's something, you know, like a revolutionary concept. I think you understand that. But we always ask in the back of our minds, I understand it gets worse before it gets better. But when does it actually get better, though? I get the worst part, and I'm sure that you in your life, you understand the worst part. But when does the worst part, when does it actually get better? Okay, so I was watching a podcast last week, and a a guy that had been through worse, and he was explaining the worst that he had been through, his decisions, the things that he decided to do, and all these things. He said something that was huge, and that's kind of where the idea for this podcast came. He said, he said, it actually does get better. He said, I've literally seen the worst, but he said, it actually does get better. He said, he said, it feels irrational. He said, it feels, it feels like my life, talk about him. He said, it feels like my life was not meant to work on paper. It feels like I was never supposed to experience this level of joy. I was never meant to experience this level of abundance, not in terms of money, but just abundance and just being joyful and finding purpose and being useful in life. He said it feels irrational. It doesn't make sense. But he says there there is joy for everyone when they find what they need to find. And so as I think about it from the spiritual sense, that's so true and that's so real. Because a lot of us understand the concept of, I get the worst part. I understand the worst. And some of you may have lived through years of the worst, and you may still be in the years of the worst. And you kind of quit believing in the better because you've seen so many years of the worst. And so for you, you would probably understand and probably relate to that because in your mind, you probably hear from from really, really well-intentioned, loving caring people that really care for you and want to see the best for you, you've probably heard for all those years, oh, things are going to get better. Oh, things are going to work. Oh, well, this is going to happen. But then you keep seeing what you're seeing, and it may have gotten worse. And so to hear somebody that has seen that for years and to say, in terms of spirituality, to say, man, things things actually get better, and you feeling on paper that this is not supposed to happen to you. But when it happens, it's it's crazy. So what we want to entitle this podcast today, we want to entitle this podcast, It Doesn't Make Sense, But It Gets Better. It doesn't make sense, but it gets better. I, I can't, I, guys, I'm telling y'all, I got, the, I got the chills right now looking at this text. This text is ridiculous, okay? There's so many gold nuggets in here, and it's from somebody that you probably know of, right, singing songs about this guy at VBS and and listening about these stories as a kid, maybe in Bible class, but when you really look at his history and when you look at his background and when you look at how he grew up, that's not how we depict him, okay? And I was just like, how have I how have I missed this, okay? So let's let's look at this, man. This is this is incredible, okay? Incredible. Judges chapter 6, it doesn't make sense, but it gets better. Okay, it doesn't make sense, but it gets better. We're going to look at Gideon here, 
Okay, so if you're if you're walking, if you're in the gym, if you're lifting, if you're taking a walk, if you're in the car, whatever it is, we want you guys to join in on this conversation with us. And uh, I got my notebook, my Bible out. And so we're going to just jump into the text. All right, we're going to jump right in. Okay, so Judges chapter six, um, starting in verse one. So let's let's do some back work here so we can understand what's happening. Verse one, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and in the caves and in the strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come into Gaza or Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. So look at what's happening here. So if we're going to point this out, right, if you're taking notes, if we're getting this, you know, uh, where we want to get it. If you're pointing this out, here's the first point that I'm seeing. These are the dark years. Okay. So remember, it always gets worse before it gets better. So you might be able to relate to verses one through five. Because these are Gideon's dark years, not just him, but the nation of Israel. So I want to paint this picture so you can get a concept of what's happening in this in this nation and in this man's life. Israel, obviously, verse one was not serving the Lord as they're not serving him. They're being taken into captivity by Midian for seven years. And this is how bad it got with Midian. Not only were they taken captive, but what they were forced to do instead of in those dark years instead of staying in their own land they had to literally live in the mountains and they had to live in the caves now we mentioned this before but if you've ever been inside of a cave i mean it doesn't matter if you're at the edge of it or if you're in the heart of it that type of darkness (laughs) that's a different darkness i mean that darkness really i mean that hugs you you can really feel that darkness so they have to live in the caves because of what these nations are doing, what Midian's doing. Not only did they have to live in the caves and the mountains, but they had to eat, right? So as they're planting, as they're sowing, as they're getting their crops together, when it was time to harvest, all those nations, Midian, the Amalekites, the children of the east, they would come up and they knew exactly what time. It was when the harvest came up of all that hard work that those Israelites did, and they would take everything. They would take all their crops. They would take all their sheep. They would take all of their oxen, all of their donkeys, and they would have to start over until next season. Now, if you've ever grown anything, right, whether it was a science project or if you're a farmer, if you've ever grown anything, you know the joy that you feel on your face when something you've worked Not even you, but you've planted it and you've just waited for so long for whatever that crop or that plant to grow and it grows. And so imagine you had a plot of land and you worked so hard to build your crops and somebody knew exactly the day when those crops would be full and ready and they would take everything and you would have to start over and do it again. Just think about the... Just think about how the Israelites at this time were just completely just torn, completely oppressed, completely broken. So again, it gets worse before it gets better. So in some instances of your life, as you're listening and as we're conversating with this podcast today, how many of us, if we're being real, how many of us have felt like that for years? You you guys ever had those years where something good happens, but then something bad happens? So then for the next three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years, you don't really expect good things. You expect bad things because that's what inevitably happens. You know, I heard a, uh, I was watching a, a a documentary on Kobe Bryant years ago. And as he lived in Italy before he moved over to the States, he said him and his family, what they did because his dad played basketball, they moved everywhere. And Italy was pretty much the last spot. And so what he said is it felt useless to try to build and cultivate, again, a planting word, 
it felt useful to build and cultivate any type of relationship and friendship because he said, inevitably, I knew I was going to move. So what's the point of having somebody that you've cultivated a relationship with? What What's the point of growing that and just having it ripped out of the root and taken away? So he said it was pointless. So some of us in your lives with anything you can put in this blank, that's, that's you. That's how you feel. And Israel and Gideon, this is them. But this is not one. This is not two. This is not three. This is seven straight years of straight up darkness. These are the dark years. And this might be exactly where you are, the dark years. It gets worse before it gets better. So then not only would they do that, they encamped around them. So now you have the mountain where they are. They're living in the caves. They're sowing these crops, but they know these crops are going to be taken away anyway. So what's the point? And then not only is that happening, but those nations, you know what? Instead of going far where we were, we're just going to camp around where you guys are. So you know there's really no escape from this. So you know it's essentially inevitable that everything you work for, nothing good is ever going to happen to you. If that's not real, if you you don't understand that, this is where the text is coming from. This is a real thing. So look at verse 5. They came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers. Remember we see that earlier? Um, Remember in Numbers where Joshua and Caleb, they say we can take the land, but then what do the other ten spies say? Well, they were like they were like grasshoppers. We, I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. We couldn't do it. So, what does it say here? They came as grasshoppers for the multitude, for both them and their camels that they came with. We literally could not count them. You know, have you ever seen something coming? Whether it's, it, it doesn't matter what it is, but you try to count, and you're just like, I can't. They're without number. This is. We're beat. There's nothing we can do. So imagine how dejected, rejected, and hurt Israel feels for seven years straight of this. Seven years straight, okay? Verse 6, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Are you impoverished, hurt? Literally, have you ever seen uh, like a, a wash rag or a towel and you see that thing kind of as you squeeze that towel or that wash rag, all the water comes out of it. That's what impoverished me. I have nothing left to give. And even if I had something left to give, you would take that too. So what's the point of me trying? What's the point of me hoping again? What's the point of me believing again? That's my. That's exactly where you might be in your life, number one. But number two, that's exactly where you might be in your relationship with God. God literally is pointless. Have you seen? Have you seen what's happened here in Israel the last seven years? Have you seen that? We're literally crushed. We're impoverished. And even if we do work, all that hard work that we put in, somebody else is going to take what we worked for. So what's the point of life to this point? You got to think, what are the Israelites thinking in Judges chapter? What's the point of living? And guys, sometimes in your dark years, you can get to the point where it's like, what's the point of this? If I don't see this going anywhere, if I don't see anything developing throughout the years, what's the point of this? What What's going on? So you got to think about where their mindset was. They're completely, there's no way out of this. You're literally trapped. Notice what he says. Verse 6, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites And then what did the children of Israel do in verse 6? And then they cried out to the Lord. You know, isn't it interesting? During your dark years, during the Israelites' dark years, you ever ever try to call somebody or maybe text somebody? And you know how when when you try to call someone and you really have something to say, and then when you call, literally first thing you press their number, and then you hear that doo-doo-doo, <laughs> then it goes straight to their voicemail. You feel a certain level of dejection, don't you? Because it's like, uh, okay, like, I guess no one wants to answer the phone, right? And so you got to think about how they feel, Israelites, 
when you cry out to God in your dark years, and I can't, I wish I could explain it, but I'm not God, so I will not, I don't have the authority to explain why he is or is not doing something for you. But it's a different feeling. Imagine for seven years straight. Okay, this is Israel. Imagine for seven years straight, you've been crying out to God, trying to understand. But there's it, seemingly it feels like there's no one else on the other line. So sometimes, guys, the Lord tells us, pray without ceasing. We have the example of the persistent widow. We have the example of the friend going to Jesus tells the parable of the friend going to his other friend's house to ask for bread. And he's so persistent. And Jesus relates that to prayer. But sometimes, guys, you get tired of praying. I'm kind of tired of calling out, tired of pouring your heart out, tired of tired of expecting a different result, tired of expecting someone else to answer the line knowing that no one else is going to pick up. Guys, these are the dark years. This is real. And this might be you. These are the dark years. And Israel cries out to God. And isn't it kind of some poetic justice here that Israel had been crying out for seven years and it takes seven verses to explain how bad things are? And if you've listened or if you're sitting at the table studying this with me right now, and you're reading verses one through seven, and that relates to you, you have to be honest of where you are, where you are. You're in the dark years. And that that happens to everyone. Don't you think it happened to it happened to Joseph? It happened to Abram. It happened to Job. It happened to Daniel. It it happened to Jeremiah. You know, sometimes we have this image sometimes that your life will always get better being a Christian. But it does not mean that the dark years will not come to you because they will. They're coming. If it hasn't come, it's coming. It's coming. And I just want to, you know, let you know so you won't be knocked to your feet when you see it. So these are the dark years. And imagine this is not only Israel, but this is the man who we're getting ready to talk about. This is Gideon. This is a real thing for him. Now, watch how the text builds this up. Verse 8. Um, I, 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 verse seven. So it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. Verse eight, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, thus said the Lord God of Israel, I brought you from Egypt and I brought you forth out of the land of bondage. And I've delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you. And I drove them out from you. And I gave you their land. And I said unto you that I am the Lord your God. Fear not the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. You know, during those dark years, if God could answer you, and if God could answer me during the dark years, you know, what we tend to forget, and I was thinking about this yesterday, during the dark years, we tend to just stay in the dark. So, Imagine something that you're reaching for. I heard this the other day too, which was great. Something that you're reaching for, a goal, dream, whatever, or even just trying to follow our Lord, whatever that is. And then a shadow is cast. Sometimes that shadow that's cast from the dream or the goal or what you're trying to do, the shadow that's cast is so big behind that dream or behind that goal or behind just trying to be a good follower of Christ that the the darkness and the shadow is all we see. But we forget that there's somebody in front of that. There's something in front of that. And so when the dark years are so dark, sometimes, guys, what's hard to do, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, it's hard when that giant shadow is, has been cast on you for years. It's very hard for you to sit within that cast shadow and to think about the goodness of God. And what God would do because he did it here in the dark years for seven years, what the Lord will tell you today as he's talking to you through scripture, I know the years have been dark and the Lord understands that because he said he understood it here. But notice the convert, how the Lord switched the conversation. The Lord reminded them 
I see the dark shadow that you're in now. But remember before that shadow got here, look at all the other things that I brought you out of. Isn't it interesting that we say something like you got to step out of the shadow? Well, in order to step out, you have to understand what's out. And God said, I brought you out before. And I brought you out of Egypt. He said, I brought you out of bondage. He said, I delivered you out of the land. I delivered you out of the hand. I drove them out. Notice all the times from verses 8 to verse 10 that God specifically uses the word out. I know that shadow is big. I know that overcast feeling has been big in your life for the last seven years. I understand that. But think about all the things that I brought you out of. So if I brought you out of those things and I drove them out and I get, I delivered my hand out, I did all these things, why can I bring you out of this shadow too? Well, Lord, you don't understand. Those shadows lasted for like three weeks. Those shadows lasted for like a week. This one's, this shadow's different than that one. A shadow's a shadow. So if the Lord can take me out of a three-day, three-week, one-month shadow, why couldn't he take me out of a seven-year one? Why couldn't he do that for you? You see, but what we do is we compare. Well, God, this situation, I, you could handle that one because I was kind of smaller, but this one, this is kind of ridiculous. This is pretty, you don't understand the odds of this one. Well, wait, I was the same God that brought you out of this one. So in, in my eyes, if I brought you out of this one, I can bring you out of that one. You see, we have to think within the shadow, in the dark years, we have to remind ourselves that God can take us out of it. We got to remind ourselves. So I here's a challenge, right, for you. I want you to take some time. Take some time to feel what you feel. Take some time to cry. Take some time to think about how tough things are. I'm not saying that you should take those things away. Don't take those away because Feeling those things are actually a part of the process of the Lord getting you out of the shadow. So you got to feel those things. But with feeling those things, I want you to take some dedicated time, whether that's an hour, whether that's two hours, whatever it is, take some dedicated time to think about the goodness of God. And you'll start to see there's some things that I, I am really thankful for that sometimes I don't see and you don't see because the shadow's too big. Does that make sense? So so don't don't forget that. And and what God is doing in verses 7 through 10, he's having a conversation back with him and saying, "Look at look at what's out here. I know you guys are in the shadow, but look at what's out here. You see God is always out there. And God is always out there for you guys." And so Remember what he has brought you out of, right? It's a beautiful thing. So that's the dark years. I told y'all, <laughs> I told y'all there's some nuggets in here. This is great. So keep walking through this as we're conversating. So you have the dark years. Now we're introduced. We have to do that back work. So now we're introduced to Gideon, right? Now this is crazy. Now when we think about Gideon, obviously the only thing we think about Gideon is, well, you know, him and the 300, he had a bunch of men, but then they went down to 300, and then he fought, and then he won. So then that's that's kind of the song. There is so much more to Gideon. Verses 1 through 10 is Gideon's backstory, but we never talk about verses 1 through 10. We just go to the victory. See, and that's just a quick side note. When we look at things in Scripture, whether it's Joseph, whether it's Christ himself, whether it's Gideon, put anyone's name there. Let's stop presenting them during their victory years. Let's Let's tell the whole story. Let's look at how let's look at how things and how dark things were because that actually humanizes them. But when we look at people as, well, they just always made the right decision, then we're we're missing part of who they are and we're missing part of what God wants us to be. So we got to look at these dark years. We got to look at them. This is this is real. Verse verse 11. This is this is amazing right here. And there came an angel of the Lord and he sat under an oak tree. <laughs> That's so awesome. He sat under an oak, which was Oprah, and pertained unto Joash, the Abzerite, and his son, Gideon. And Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the, 
from the Midianites. There's so much here. Oh, there's so much here. There's so much here. Let's start. Let's. Oh, okay, we got to start here. There came an angel of the Lord. Now, as you look at that in your Bible, Lord should be capitalized there. So this is a different, this is not a messenger like Matthew 1, like other texts in the Bible. This is not an angel of the Lord. This is Christ. Because the Lord is capitalized, meaning Jehovah himself. So what was Jesus? God incarnate? This is Christ. So imagine, this is just, this is the most beautiful imagery, man. So if you're watching the video, I've got my water bottle here. So imagine this is this is Midian, and they're casting a giant shadow behind you. And then right next to Midian is an oak tree. And Jesus is just sitting there, and he sees. Isn't it interesting how when things are so twisted and jumbled up and messed up and discombobulated isn't it interesting that in the midst of all that jesus is always calm he's sitting under an oak tree jesus was sleeping on the boat jesus said peace be still there was always a sense of peace with him and there's a cease of, there's a there's a there's a sense of calm when you follow him Christ sitting under an oak tree. Then you have Joash, which is Gideon's father. And notice, what is Gideon doing? Gideon is threshing wheat. Doesn't this go back to our Ruth and Boaz series? What was Boaz doing? Remember what floor he was on? The threshing floor. So what's Gideon doing? Threshing wheat. Time out. He's threshing wheat. And what is he doing with that wheat? Because remember, what did verses 1 through 10 say? Whatever they grew, however long it took, whenever it harvested, who took it? Everybody took it, right? So here's my question. If Gideon knows, and Gideon's dad, Joash, if they know that they live in an impossible situation, Gideon and Joash... They would say, why are we even growing wheat? Why are we even doing this? Because by the time this this is fully grown, this is going to be taken. So what's the point of working? What's the point? You ever asked yourself that question before? What's the point? Doesn't matter if I do this. Doesn't matter if I'm kind. Doesn't matter if I'm, it doesn't matter if I'm, you can put whatever you want in there. And you might be saying legitimate facts because you've seen it happen literally thousands of times where no matter what you do, no matter how kind you are, how far you go, how many miles you go with them, you they want you to go one, you always go to, you always give, you always do this. But in your mind, no matter how far you go, it's inevitable that it's just not going to work for you. And that's facts. And I'm not arguing with you. That's real for you. That's facts. But here's the thing. So with Joash and Gideon, why were they still working? You know, you ever hear when we tell people, you know, well, man, I'm really looking for this job. I'm really looking for this. I'm really looking for this life change. I'm really looking for this person. I'm really looking for all these things to really change in my life. That's that's what I want, right? So then we'll quote Isaiah 40, 31. Wait on the Lord. We'll quote Isaiah, not Isaiah. We'll quote uh, Psalm chapter 37, verse like four and five. Delight in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart, right? We'll quote those things to people. But then sometimes those people, they sit on their thumbs and you could be one of those people. You kind of sit on your thumbs and you kind of wait for things to work. (laughs) You know, one of my favorite movies, you guys remember the old school Incredibles movie when that came out? The first one, not the second one. Remember when Mr. Incredible came back home and he gets out of the car and for years, I mean, he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't have that same joy, but a little kid knows who he is, but he's kind of forgotten who he is. And so he's, he's got back home from working his nine to five. He's walking into the house with his briefcase and he sees a little kid 
right on his uh on his little tricycle and he's just looking at him right and mr incredible is like what do you want kid like what are you waiting for why are you what do you he- why are you here what are you waiting for and the kid says in that little kid voice i don't know i was waiting for something amazing to happen i guess right so sometimes that's we're that little kid we're waiting on something insanely amazing to happen in your life because simply because you've been through the dark years, well, God, you know, I deserve this job because I went through those dark years. Well, you know, Lord, I deserve this person because I went through the dark years. Oh, well, Lord, I deserve these finances because I went through the dark years. So then we sit there and we're saying, well, God, I'm waiting for something amazing to happen. I'm waiting for something amazing to happen. But then you're going to sit there and you're just going to wait your disappointment. And then at the end of the day, then who do we blame? Well, number one, we blame God. And then two, we blame the people that quoted the verses to us. But here's my question. What are you doing? What are you doing in your dark years or even if you're out of it? What are you doing right now? Look at what Gideon and Joash is doing. They know that it's essentially inevitable that most of their crops are going to be taken. But they're still working hard and putting in sweat and grinding and in terms of work grinding and, and they're putting in the, the hard work that it takes to grow these things and they hid them from the Midianites. We got to keep working. We have to keep doing what we can do. We pray to the Lord. We have faith, but we do what we know we can do right now. And sometimes guys in your dark years, that's literally all you can do. If all you can do and all you know right now is just to work and serve people, that's that's all you do. You don't go out there putting yourself out there. You don't go out there trying to do these things. If you're looking for a job, you put on you put in all the applications you can and you just you just keep working. You just do what you know to do what is right. And Gideon and Joash, they weren't sitting on their thumbs. They cried out to the Lord too. But after they cried out to the Lord, they didn't sit on their thumbs and say, well, God, I'm waiting for something amazing to happen because we deserve it in these dark years. They said, man, we got to do what we can. And we got to do what we can right now. And if that means we can only keep a little bit, we're going to do our best. Sometimes, guys, that's what the Lord is looking for. We got to do our best. And that is a, that is a great nugget there in verse 11. What am I supposed to do while you're waiting on something? What am I supposed to do when I'm still waiting on God? What am I supposed to do when I'm still waiting on this or that or this? So we're not going to sit there like that little kid on the <laughs> on the tricycle. We're not going to sit there, well, I'm just waiting for something amazing. Well, no, instead of sitting there and waiting, let's, let's do what we know to do. And sometimes you just got to keep doing that. Verse 12, so the angel of the Lord, again, Christ, appeared unto him and said, the Lord is with you. Oh, mighty man of valor. What? <laughs> Imagine in your dark years, someone, you know, you ever hear, you ever see somebody, and again, they're well-intentioned, but people, sometimes they don't know exactly what you've seen or been through, and they say, oh, it's going to it's gonna work. It's going to do this. It's going to do that, right? And then you ever have that voice in your head just like, nah, 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 it's not. But I preach, but like vocally, thank you, man. I appreciate that. But in your mind, you're just like, eh, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. So think about what Gideon and Joash is thinking. What? <laughs> what? What do you mean the Lord is with me? And notice the conversation. This is crazy. Verse 13. So then Gideon said, and again, if we're going to point this, we have the dark years. So then starting in verse like 12 and 13, now we have the doubting, right? Now you have the doubting years. So then verse 13. So then Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why has he let this befall in us? That's real right there. That is the question. If we're honest, all of us would ask. The Lord is with me? How are you going to say the Lord has been? Do you understand what life has been like the past seven years? And you're calling me a mighty man of valor? I don't have a sword in my hand. I have a threshing pick. <laughs> I'm not a mighty man. What do you, I'm not a mighty man of valor. Sometimes the Lord knows who we are 
been in our dark years, we've forgotten who we are. And it's always, the Lord always reminds you of who you are. And just a quick side note, guys, it is very important for you to, there's a difference between people saying really nice stuff like, oh, I love you. Oh, I I care about you. Oh, you're a friend. I'm not saying that's wrong. But there's a difference between the people that just say that and and people that speak life back into you. That those are two different categories of people. Two different categories of people. And at in these dark years, you're going to need people in your life that's going to remind you of who you are. Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And this is not out of, a, out of a flattery. Do you know who you are, man? You know, we need those people in your life, right, to really remind you and tell you the truth of who you are again. You know, that's a, and I know this is, I like to use this example, and I know this is this is very Disney with it, but you, you you'll understand this. So remember when, remember in Lion King, best Disney movie of all time, remember when, uh, Simba left and then he's with Timon and Pumbaa you have a lion who is the who is literally the king and he's cast out and a lion that's eating bugs a lion that's eating what everybody else is eating a lion that's doing non-lion things and then Nala best best Disney princess throwing that out there Nala comes in and Nala comes to Simba and Nala's like wait you don't understand you got to remember who you are not only are you my friend, but you're the king. You got to come back. Sometimes we need those people in our lives to wake us up back into reality and say, no, you got to remember who you are. You are a child of God. You are a Christian. You are a follower of God. You are adopted. You are, a, you are of a holy priesthood. What's, what's happening in your life right now, that's not for you. So when you're in that situation, you don't need people around you just saying, oh, I love you. Oh, you're the best. Again, that's not nothing wrong, but you need those people. You're going to say, look, man, remember who you are, dude. You got to remember who you are. This is what you're supposed to be doing, but you're over here doing this. So the Lord is telling Gideon, this is who you are, Gideon. You are a mighty man of valor. And don't let these seven dark years stop you and for make you forget who you are and what my mission is for you. We need friends like that. Those That's a different group of people. Not saying there's anything wrong with that other group. You appreciate them and you love them. But you need that set of people that's going to tell you who you who you are and who you are not as a person, who you are in Christ. You need those people. And if we can be that for you, at when the scriptures become real, let us be that for you. Okay? So then verse 13. If the Lord's with us, why did he let this happen then? And where are all of his miracles which our fathers told us of. So this generation, they heard about Egypt. They weren't there. They heard about it. So this generation's like, where, where's all that for us? See, you did it for them, but why don't you do that for us? You see, don't we have that same mindset? And we can put anything, any anything in there. Well, Lord, you do that for them, but you don't do that for us. People that say that, they don't know God. I'm just putting it out there. People that say that, and it, even if that's you, you don't know God like like you think you do. Well, the Lord always loves them, but the Lord doesn't love us. Stop that, man. That's ridiculousness. That's dumb. That's not That's not even God's character. So why are we saying that? Well, because I haven't seen it. Just because you haven't seen it, who's sitting under the oak tree? Christ. I hate when people, well, well it's never happened to me. Well, just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean that the Lord wasn't there. You see, we got we to get out of that mindset. So then notice what he's saying. Where are all the miracles that our father told us of? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now, what's, what's all the Lord done for us? All the Lord has done for us is forsaken us. And all he's done is he hasn't delivered us out. What did God say? I delivered you out of these things. Gideon literally said, he didn't deliver us out. He delivered us in. He delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Isn't that what we do as well? Yeah, I know the Lord, you helped them out. You helped him out. You helped her out. Why did you put me in? You see, God, that's not fair. 
Why would you do that? You put them out. You help them out of it. How can you put me in it and you dug me deeper? You see, you see what's happening here? Gideon's asking a real question that we asked. Why did you put me in? Of all people, why pick me? Why pick you? Why, why this, God? You see, and that's, that's, that's a result of the dark years. So then the dark years, they translate and they transform into doubting years. <laughs> the Lord's with us. Yeah, sure he is. Yeah, the Lord's with us. No, he's not. If he was, he would have he been done this. If the Lord was with us, why didn't he act? If the Lord was with us, why didn't he deliver? If the Lord was with us, why didn't he take us out? You see, so the Lord doesn't love us. So what we got to do, we got to do things more on our own because the Lord's not with us like he is with other people. See, we got to stop that. You see what I mean? You can literally do that with anybody. And that's why comparison is always a thief of joy. And so notice, this is what Gideon's saying. Why would you? You're helping them. You've delivered us into their hands. What have you done for us? And guys, I'm going to let you know before we move on, please, even though I know it makes sense in your mind, like I know it makes sense because you have for your life, you have legit facts that you could come at me with that you could say, well, look, if the Lord did this, well, how can we let this happen? If the Lord did this, why did he give this to me? If the Lord, and I would, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying, but here's what I'm saying. And here's what the text is saying. The Lord delivered us into their hands who's to say that the lord's still not done you see as humans we have a limit and we have a point and we have a threshing floor to where if a certain amount of events happen then we say the phrase well i'm done that can be with anything but why do we not have that patience with god we have to let him work and i don't like waiting more than the, the next person so I feel you on that. But what I'm saying is, what if he's not done? What if he's not done? And that's a concept that I don't understand sometimes. I'm sure you don't understand. And Gideon's not getting it. So Gideon's like, where were you at? Gideon at this point in verse 13 has, has to be one of the most relatable people in Scripture right now for you. This is crazy. So then verse 14, this is, this is amazing. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go on your might and you are going, this is crazy. Go on your might and you will save Israel. I want you to think about that for a second. There's a, y'all ever been chosen for something and you're just like, wait, me <laughs> of all people. Why, why'd you pick me? You picked me. So imagine knowing this pain that Israel had gone through for seven years and you see the you see the Lord Himself sitting under an oak tree, and this is just a normal day of oppression for you. This is just a normal day of hurt for you. This is just a normal day. You've gotten used to it, and God calls you and reminds you of who you are, and He also says, "By the way, you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one to save them." <laughs> I don't even know how I would feel. There would be some level of excitement, I'm sure, for me. But I'm going to be honest, there would be a little doubt, too. What am I going to do? I mean, I'm not different. I'm, I'm just Jordan. <laughs> what am I, what am I going to do? You know, I'm just Gideon. I'm just put your name there. What am I going to do? I'm just one person. I'm one insignificant person putting it at that. And you pick me? I, think about how he's feeling right now. And you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he said, oh, my Lord, where, where will I save Israel? Notice, I love this. Notice what he's saying. Where, where, where am I going to save Israel? My family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father. I am the least in my own house. How am I going to save a whole nation? I'm poor. How am I? What am I going to do? Isn't it interesting that the Lord tends to use people like this for his big purpose? So do you see why in the dark years and in, in, in the doubting years for you, why Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, why you and I should stay humble? 
Because to us, those doubting years and those dark years may seem like we're being crushed. But who's to say that God won't use you to help to save other people? Lord, I'm, I'm the least. I'm the least among my friend group. I'm the least among the people that I know. I'm the least in my own family. What am I going to do? And these are the words of these are the words of Gideon. And the Lord said verse 16, "Surely I will be with you." And notice what he says specifically, "And you, not Israel." Now Israel was involved, but he says, "But you will smite the Midianites as one man." And he said verse 17, if I found favor in thy sight, show me a sign that you talk with. So now, that, that's exactly what I would do. If I hear all this stuff from the Lord, and he's saying, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to be the one, and you're going to do this. <sighs> Lord, I need a sign. Like, I need something. Because that's where, that's where Gideon's faith is. At this point, his faith is, I understand what you want, but Lord, I need some extra help here. And sometimes that's how we are too, isn't it? You know, the Lord calls us to do things and calls us to help and to serve. But then in our prayers that we might not tell people, we may tell the Lord, Lord, I need some, I need you to help me see it. You know, I need some extra help. I don't think I'm qualified for this. You know, I don't think I'm the guy for this. I know there's other guys, there's other families, there's other, there's other people, there's other, there's other people that you can choose why choose me for this? This is, this is, this is below my pay grade, right? It's not for me. Interesting. Verse, uh, verse sixteen. Depart not from here, I pray you, until I come, and I will bring forth a present and set it before you. And he says, I will tarry until you come again. For sake of time, guys, I want to keep going, but this is going to be literally like a five hour. We may have to do more parts in this, but as we keep going. Basically, what happens is, if you look at verse 19, Gideon went in, he made ready a lamb or a kid and unleavened cakes on an ephah of a flour. The flesh he put in the basket, and then he put the broth in a pot. And he brought it to the oak and presented it. The angel of the Lord said unto him, take the flesh and the cakes and lay them on the rock and pour the broth. And he did it. Verse 21. So then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff, which was in his hand, and he touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there arose fire from the rock and consumed the flesh and the cakes. And then the angel of the Lord departed from out of his sight. So now he got his sign. He got a sign. This is it. So you have the dark years, you have the doubting years, and then you have the desperate faith years. So this is how I'm going to try my best to explain this. This is how merciful and how understanding and how kind our God is. So I want to explain it this way. If you're teaching somebody how to do something that you're a master at, right, whether that's at your job, whether that's at your sport, whether that's in your teaching realm, whatever it is, when you're teaching somebody how to do something that you already know how to do, I'm talking about you're, you're starting literally from step one with somebody. You have a certain level of understanding and patience with them, don't you? And you don't necessarily just yell at them because they didn't get it right. You're patient with them because you know how long it took you to get where you are, right? So that's how God is with faith. At this point, Gideon had little faith. And again, just quick before we go, Gideon asked for another sign. So essentially he asked at the end of the chapter, like verses 38 through 40, he has like this fleece and he says, Lord, I need another, another sign. If you're with me, if this fleece has the dew in it, you know, if I lay this fleece on the ground and I get up in the morning and everything around it is dry, but the fleece is wet, then I know, I know that you're with me. So that happens. And then he says again, well, let me reverse it. If everything is, if everything is wet, but then the fleece is dry, then I know you're with me. Then God does that. So Gideon needed a couple signs to see, okay, God is with me. And here's the lesson here, guys, as we go through the dark years, as we go through the doubting years, as we go through the desperate years, 
the Lord wants us to grow in our faith, but the Lord is so merciful to us and he's so understanding that he knows Jordan's faith is little right now. But as he's growing in his faith, I will help him in that. And he wants your faith and my faith to go from little to much to great. And the the patience of our father is even though my faith might be little in some things, it's still faith. And the Lord as our father was patient with Gideon and merciful with Gideon. And he allowed Gideon to understand, I'm with you like I said I am. And for you and I, I understand, guys, the dark years are real. The doubting years are real. The desperate years are real. And it was real for Gideon. All of Judges. We didn't even get into chapter. It gets more. We didn't even get into chapter seven. But you see all these gold nuggets that we had to stop and take our time with in chapter six. We may have to continue this and go into seven just so we can get some more on Gideon because he's been ridiculous as we've as I've been looking at this. He's helped me a lot. And I hope that he has helped you a lot today as we've studied this. And guys, I understand, man, things are hard. And it's a real thing that things will always get worse before they get better. That's a real statement. But also it does get better though. And Gideon and the Israelites after seven straight years of feeling this, they're starting to see the better. And I hope that that can happen for you too. Man, we love you guys, man, greatly. We appreciate you guys greatly. We're so thankful you guys are here listening to the podcast. We love you dearly. Hopefully that we can be those friends and encouragers to really speak life into you um, and help you through what you're going through. So, again, um, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Hopefully we'll be back on Monday. We may continue this because Gideon is pretty good. So we may go into Chapter 7 next week with Gideon and we'll continue to study. Uh, but again, check out the shorts, check out the movies that we got out, check out the Bible readings we have out on the YouTube channel. All those will be linked under the video. So they will be there for you guys to check out. Let us, let us know what you guys think about it. So love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thanks guys.